1: Your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to The Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to The Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 34, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, Brandon. How are you? I'm good. I got to play adult the other day when I helped you shop for a condo. You did. That was novel. Since I will never be able to afford to buy in this market, (laughs) that was a fun experience to get to
2: have. It was. And it was a very nice condo. It it was. Sadly, it wasn't to be as someone (laughs) snatched it up under me, but- It's a uh, very competitive market. I will live to fight another day. It'll it'll happen when
1: it needs to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember we had a brief period where we thought we were going to
2: buy a condo. Right.
1: And- that delusion was stripped away quickly.
2: And and what stripped it away? Uh being broke. That would do it. Yeah, 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 no, I hear it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I need to get my financing in order. The of money is there, it's just not there, organized there. and freed up and all those good things. So I need to Yeah, I got work to do. Yeah. But I I think what I realized was I need to not go and look at condos until all those ducks were in a row oh sure because you get attached it's heartbreaking and I mean that place did have that really neat pet cemetery looking thing on the third floor
1: (laughs) like they raided all the plants from a Chinese restaurant yeah and then set them up at a a sacrificial altar yeah in a hallway that really had no purpose that was strange it was yeah nice I mean nice apartment yeah uh, but a little worried about the fact that they may all be part of some kind of death cult.
2: Some kind of plastic plant cult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: your first day in there, the knock on the door, hey, we're going to go cut up a virgin in the back. Uh, you, want, you want dibsies? <laughs> I'm hoping no.
2: Oh, I'm God. hoping no.
1: How, how was your week? My week was, uh, how was my week? My week was pretty quiet. Oh, well, okay. Nothing real exciting going on, you know, right. just uh, prepping for the summer camp episode. Yes. You know, I, uh, I got it in my head. I was going to watch all these summer camp movies. And it
2: turns out they're actually quite depressing and pretty terrible.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I can deal with that. I mean, I grew up watching terrible movies. That's how I spent my high school years instead of dating. But uh, really paid off. I think so. <laughs> you? I have really strong forearms now. Oh, okay,
2: great. <laughs> That's disturbing.
1: So I watched Meatballs, right? Which was Bill Murray's first starring role. And, and we should say, sorry, we should preface this by saying the show is about summer camps. Right. The that's shows, a good thing. Rather than is... we
2: just sort of start riffing on something yeah. that really has, you know, So crockpots. yes yeah, you know, again, yeah.
1: Yeah, so no, this show is about summer camps. And yep. so I, I thought, I'm going to start watching all these summer camp movies. Like, mm-hmm. again, Meatballs, Heavyweight. But I remember them being more fun than they are. Because, again, I watched Meatballs, and I was so depressed afterwards.
2: I, it was What I made it depressing?
1: It's it's kind of like watching porn. You're watching people other than you have a real good time. Yeah, this is not for me. No,
2: I, yeah, I get that.
1: Yeah, but uh, anyways, so th- there was one that just killed me. The plot was such that I, I just thought this is this can't be real, but it is. It is the second sequel to Meatballs. Right. Meatballs Three. Right. Summer Job. Yeah. And it is about a porn star whose ghost returns to Earth to help a
2: nerd lose his virginity. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like um, Heaven Can Wait, but with a porn angle.
1: Yeah, like Heaven Can Wait, but but mediocre in every way. Yes, and, and failing failing even at being sexy. Wow, it, it was I I kind of it's hard to find Chuck, uh, but I managed to find a copy on YouTube, and so I was just I'm flipping through, and uh, it's terrible. It's not funny. It's not sexy. It's it's again, it's terrible in every way. However, it did lead me to a fun situation, and by fun I mean horrible. <laughs> A public library has opened up a new branch yes. in my neighborhood, yeah. and it's a great place to work because it's uh, very bright. Yeah. You know, I, I can work remotely. So I was I was in there working, or sorry, I was in there, opened my laptop, and I had previously been watching Meatballs Three Summer Job. Yes, and for some reason, the YouTube window was sort of a dark setting. So instead of being white YouTube colors, it was dark, and it looked like certain adult video <laughs> websites. My friends have told me about.
2: Yeah, I've heard about them. <laughs>
1: yes. So I sat down, opened up my laptop, and in the public library, people with people sat right behind me, it looked like I was watching pornography.
2: Oh, boy. Aren't uh, you used to that by now? (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's usually Starbucks, though. Oh, right. It's different. Not the library. There are are
2: rules.
1: (laughs) Funny to say that, though. I was talking to this dude I know at at the Starbucks, and uh, they actually have had to kick guys out
2: for masturbating. (gasps) What? Yes. How would you be that comfortable in a public – space that you're like, yeah, I can whip it up. I hope I never know. Wow. Yep. That's
1: got nothing to do with ghosts, folks. This is just reminding you that the world it can be a horrible place. No kidding. A horrible, gross place. Gross. Yep. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> as we were saying before, this episode is about uh, haunting of summer camps. Mm-hmm. And uh, this actually turned out to be a lot more fun. and uh, Not a lot more fun than I expected. Um, I Because when, when you brought it up, I thought, no, that sounds cool. But I wasn't expecting h- what how unique a flavor the camp stories would would have. Yeah, and so I think uh, it's I think it's gonna be a long episode too. So I, I but I think so
2: for people listening, that's either a good thing or a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, or
1: they're hurling their phones Depending into the sea. On how they feel about yeah, us ordering a new one? <laughs> and in order to give the episode a uh, that that summer camp vibe, and because Florida has come up a few times lately, yes. the song we're going to be featuring today is called "If I Ever Get Out of Florida." And that's by the artist Just Fern, who is out of Pittsburgh. I found Fern actually when I was putting together a Pittsburgh show for my radio show, Larger right, the Truth. Yeah. And uh, her new album, Feminology, just came out on Bandcamp. You can find her at justfern.bandcamp.com. And it's such a fun album. Cool. For, it's, yeah, for an independent, or well, for anyone, it's a fun album. But especially when you realize this is an independent artist, it's just a ton of fun. And uh, I think you guys are going to like the song. So when we come back from the break, The Haunting of Summer Camp.
0: There's a broken limo in the parking lot And there's dents and rust in the whole
2: Say it's been shot And with the way the neon sunshine fades the view
0: This place closed in 1982. And if
2: I ever get out of Florida, I'm coming back for you.
0: There's a swamp reclaiming all our stolen land. It's making its way for our. Wives. Settles, no new flowers grow this pretty pink hotel has got to close. And if I ever get out of Florida I'm going home
1: Welcome back As we said before the break this episode is about the hauntings of summer camp mm-hmm. And I gotta say I thought summer camp was kind of a done thing. You know, again, because I remember Meatballs and I remember all those movies. Yeah. And I I sort of thought it had come and gone, but as I learned, there are still something like 10,000 left in North America.
2: Yeah. And they're becoming more specialized. And that's why they're surviving. Right. Because um, there's been a number here on Vancouver Island that have shut down, including the one I used to work with. Really? Um, Yeah, over the years, because they aren't specialized enough. Oh. And you need money. To of become course. specialized. So that's the problem. So we the generally the general religious ones run by churches, those are all suffering. Because there's no money to improve them. They're at least 50 or 60 years old. Right. They're not able to specialize. Um, and, and religion itself, and we've talked about this before, right. religion itself is on the decline. Organized religion is, is shutting itself. Down. I mean, you
1: were saying yeah. that's one of the reasons you left the church. Yeah. Is because they refused
2: to change. Yeah, absolutely. And then there was no adaptation. It was minor changes like, well, if we get better copy— Right, more people will attend, and it's like, mm, if we paint the deck chairs yellow, the Titanic is still sinking. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's not going to make a big difference.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was really surprised, and, and it's kind of funny because in Meatballs, and again, Meatballs is is you know from my I love that this is
2: your cultural reference. So. But it's the
1: only summer camp movie I watched. <laughs> it's the only one I can handle. I'm a delicate flower. Yeah, but uh, so in Meatballs, there's there's a story of uh, you know the poor struggling summer camp. Yeah. And across the lake is the wealthy summer camp. Absolutely. Camp Mohawk. Absolutely. With a lot of really offensive Native American stereotypes. Yes. You know, they, they're doing a war dance as part of their cheer. Oh, my They've Lord. They've got headdress. Oh, it's bad. Not it's good. It's bad. Mind you, I remember being in England in 2011. We went to the Christmas Panto. We were there for
2: Christmas. Oh, Christmas Pantos are completely racist and off. The... They, they did- um, No, they're horrible. Peter Pan. Yeah, they and, do Peter Pan or Cinderella. And, and they it's... came out
1: doing the thing with like the- I'm not going to do it, but- that, like they had literally had feather headdresses, yeah. and they were doing that thing where they make
2: like make the war cry yeah, with yeah, the yeah, hand over yeah, their yeah, mouths. Yeah. yeah,
1: I was shocked. No, that I was looking around, waiting for someone to kick in the door, and then I realized, no, I'm in England. Yeah, no one here cares. No one
2: cares. Oh, Be- I think because we live amongst that culture. Yeah, of to course. To them, it's it's like aborigines in Australia. It's an exotic. It, thing. it has it, nothing to do with. Of them. course, yeah, yeah. But anyways, getting back to to Camp Mohawk. Uh, oh, and they're colonial pieces of garbage. Yeah, that, that's, that's the too. other yeah, that too yeah, yeah, they're used to a pressing culture. It's, it's, so it's very true. Not really a big deal. I can say that I'm from there. i was born there. So. My wife's English. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's what we do best. It's true.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyways, the film, the poor camp, Camp Mohawk, and in the beginning, there is a newsman because this is this was apparently news in 1979, interviewing the people from Camp Mohawk, and right. they're talking about how it's it's a premier camp at a thousand dollars a week, and they right. have butlers and all this crap, and then when I was reading about modern summer camps, some of the literature that Luke provided. $1,000 a week is like a minimum.
2: Yeah, no, that's a bargain now.
1: Yeah, for $1,000, you get to go to a house made of popsicle sticks yeah, where and, bears regularly attack. Yeah,
2: and they feed you once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's $1,000 a week because
1: it's on a lake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the last of the lake's not privately owned. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, so I, I thought it was a fading out thing. But yeah, apparently more specialized camps and you know space camp and math camp and- Drama camp and yeah. everything.
2: Now, did you go to camp as a kid?
1: No, we didn't really- we didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid, right. so we didn't- uh, Well, you're already living in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, very
2: true. Very true white trash wonderland that it was. But uh, how about you? Did you go to camp? I didn't go to camp as a camper. Um, where I lived in Alberta, uh, the Anglican Church, who I was affiliated with at the time, would rent a camp for two weeks of the summer, and we would do a junior camp and a senior camp, and I went as staff. So okay. I went to be a counselor. I got there. I'd learned guitar two weeks earlier, and I got there, and they were like, "Oh, you brought a guitar? You're the music guy?" And I right. was like, "Damn!" So <laughs> that was it. And then it wasn't Ladies. until like, yeah, and it wasn't until I started working for the Anglican Church here that I was then uh, in charge of helping out with like hiring people for camp and running camp. I was on the board. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and I would also do the teen camp. I would be the chaplain for teen camp. Um, at the end of the summer Right But the camp was given to them By an old British guy Of course um, And his sister And um, they lived on Thetis Island Who were
1: uncomfortably close As that seems to yes. happen
2: Yes yeah. Yes Because all the men were killed During World War II Anyway There's no proof that that happened here
1: <laughs> No 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 Fair no, enough Fair Just enough.
2: two older people Living in a home together Alone In a one bedroom house No I'm kidding it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't So they had this beautiful house They donated the house And I think it's almost 100 acres of land On Thetis Island To the Anglican Church 1940s, they put a bunch of cabins, and by cabins, I mean like not as good as a garden shack. Oh, wow! No power, no water, nothing, right? Um, and the Anglicans ran that as a summer camp for years, right up until I think it was 2011, they realized they couldn't sustain it anymore the water system needed work the buildings were falling down all these things so they were one of the casualties and they're not alone um, of church camps specifically that have shut down throughout BC in the last 15 years huh yeah but it was an interesting place because a lot of the buildings that we used for like the craft building or the chapel or the they were built there by the people who donated the lands right. the little outbuildings so they had a definite feel to them what kind of feeling? The one building, I really liked it. I felt very at home there. It looked out onto the water because it's right on the coast, of course. Right. Um, and I really liked it, but there were other buildings I was not comfortable in at all. Oh, I, And I really believe the main house was definitely the the couple who donated it. They were absolutely still there. Oh, wow. It was exceptionally creepy. Interesting. Yeah. So I, whenever I would run an event, I used to do a Christmas camp there, and everyone had to sleep in the main house, of course, because it's the only one with power and heat. Right. I would move, me and my family, we would stay in the nurse's hut, which was separate from the main building, right. but very, very close to it. It had power and heat, but also it wasn't in the main building. I hated sleeping in the main Interesting. building. Interesting. Yeah. So definitely had my own weird ghost stories from camp, but not as a camper. I never went as a camper. Huh. We were immigrants. We didn't do that. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> and We were... Poor. And we were poor too we were poor, Yeah, so we didn't do that We went camping as a family My parents didn't ship us off
1: Right <laughs> well, I, I will say that really surprised me Because again Watching summer camp movies as a kid I always thought it seemed really cool Yeah But I always thought it was something That just happened in movies Yeah
2: Right, you know,
1: I because I was consequently, because we didn't have money to go places, I was very much a homebody, right, right, and so the idea of going somewhere without my family for three weeks seemed crazy to me, yes, and uh, but apparently, this is a common oh, thing, oh, they go
2: for a month, yeah, um, I remember e- having that same moment I was in a ski resort in Connecticut or no, Vermont, and there's a family from Boston, and they had that thick Boston accent, oh, yeah, and I was like, oh my God, it's real because yeah. <laughs> it was that same thing you yep. think it's just in movies it was the weirdest thing but I, I get that and I always kind of thought camp would be fun to go to as a kid but I mean, my parents would send us to day camps. Right, um, growing up, and they were pretty awful. It was like Lord of the Flies, running through the woods. Well, that's to it because
1: in my head, I always had this idea about you know that's when you have you know, your summer romance and right. the girl you never see again. Right. But growing up a fat kid, I think I would have just been eating shit for a month, <laughs> having rocks thrown at me, right. and having people try and fuck with me for a month. Wow. Some insight to Brendan. Right that is there. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay because now I'm the star, baby. You, you are a big star. That just ground to a halt Like a body falling off a roller coaster Fantastic Big stuff On that note Luke found an incredible amount of summer camp stories Doesn't for surprise me um, I Yeah, I mean I, I Because I thought it was a, it was sort of a dead thing I wasn't sure if we'd be able to find enough stories uh-huh. But uh, Bless <laughs> No, I'm so worldly <laughs> Tell you all about street crime in LA But something normal humans do No, no. Not a, not a no. clue No, that's funny But uh, no, we have a ton of stuff, and I think, bizarrely, we're actually starting way far away from America, where most of these stories take place, in the Philippines. Cool. And away we go. In 1988, I attended a summer camp during my second year of high school. I grew up in the Philippines, and the camp was two days' travel away from where we lived. The first night, we slept at a sister school in the town of Makati, and the next day headed for the port of Batangas, where we took a ferry boat to the island of Mindoro. I had never been so far away from home, and that makes what happened next even more unlikely. And I am probably getting a lot of these names wrong, so No, you're
2: actually, you're saying exactly the same way I would, so. Well, that's not encouraging. No, that's not encouraging. Apologies to our Philippine
1: listeners. More than a million people live on Mindoro now, but in 1988 it was much less developed, and the camp was outside Calapan, which is now a city but was then only a town. Even today, the road to the camp, which is now a seminary, is still unpaved, and in those days all around it was lush green forest and coconut trees. Once we arrived, camp assistants brought us to our dormitories, and for some reason I had a strong feeling that the place was familiar to me. That feeling grew stronger when I passed the room assigned to our rector, and I started thinking about things which were strange. As I said, it was the first time I had been to this island, so it is very strange for me to be experiencing deja vu, and yet I was. Immediately I spoke with the rector, asking him about the strange things which were coming to my mind. I asked him if the land originally belonged to a wealthy couple that lived there before the Japanese war, and if they had a daughter. Also, I asked if the room he was using now was used as a clinic during the Japanese invasion. The rector looked at me straight in the eye and said all of that was true, then wanted to know how I knew. I explained the deja vu I'd felt from the moment we entered the barracks and also told him about the images in my head, which included the location of his room and a piano in the basement. The rector told me the seminary grounds had been donated to the church by the original owners when their daughter, an only child, died young. There was a piano in the basement, it was the one she used to play. Very cool.
2: Yeah. Kind of the same thing. The wealthy couple leave the land and it becomes a church camp. It's exactly the story. Here.
1: Oh, there's another story in here, which is uh, same thing. It's the actor who, and it's mentioned in the story, but it's the actor who played the grandfather in the p- original Parent Trap. Oh, okay. And his part of his estate became uh, oh, a school and summer camp. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's sort of the way of a lot of things is, yeah. you know, all these huge parcels of land just end up smaller and smaller and. Yeah. Some of them end up with, uh, I mean, it, it annoys the shit out of me that churches get them, but you know, what do you Not so it? much anymore. No, that's true. Getting back to Mindoro, it makes you wonder, I mean, is it a past life thing or is it a, sort of a psychic, just sort of a, you know, picking up on things in the ether?
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's what happens to me. I would, if that was me, I'd go there and I would get pictures of all that. Right. I wouldn't know what it would mean. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Is it a past life or is it something trying to communicate? Who knows?
1: Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's something. I mean, obviously, I don't know. This is you know, all the information I have, but yeah. I, I just wonder if it's like you do, as I say, you pick up flashes of a place, right? But I, th- I mean, I'm sure the sort of the um, standard explanation would be past life. Past life. That's what know. I was
2: assuming. All right. So next up is one from New York State. I'm not here to Hollywood things. I'm going to tell you what happened exactly as it happened. This summer, I worked at a camp on an island in Lake Ontario, New York. The old town hall had been converted to a theater in the 1950s and abandoned in the 1970s, so by now it's lost to weeds and overgrown plants. Naturally, my friends and I decided to explore it. We did this several times, and each time we went back, something weird would happen. And so instead of just telling you everything, I'm going to tell you the three incidents that I witnessed firsthand and that I completely believe. Incident number one. My friend Griff and I found a secret hatch that led under the stage and as soon as we opened it, the temperature dropped drastically. All that was under the hatch was an enclosed room with a ton of spiders and damp ground. Nothing interesting. But while we were exploring it, we heard footsteps, loud and distinct, coming from way up above in the attic, which is the old bell tower. Number two. While exploring the tower itself, I wanted to ring the bell, so I pushed my way towards it through a crawlspace. The ceiling was broken in places, and I could see the auditorium below me, but I managed to get to a position where I could stand a bit. When I did, I saw a ball of light, gray in the middle, with a grayish light blue on the sides and a ring of white light around it. It looked like it had a three-foot diameter. I'd never seen anything like it before. It started at the bell, which was 15 feet in front of me, and it zipped right past my leg. Every single one of my hairs was standing straight up at this point. The ball of light then zipped back towards the bell and disappeared when it was halfway there. It happened in seconds, but I remember it like yesterday. Incident number three. My friend Kim can be a little superstitious, so I don't believe her all the time, but she's fun to explore with. Our fifth visit to the theater was a, was our last, for reasons I'm about to explain. We were walking around re-exploring things we'd already seen and scavenging for cool stuff to take home, old newspapers, whatever we could find. Kim kept talking about seeing a dark figure, but because of her dramatic streak, I would laugh it off. She only got more serious, though, and we ended up leaving because we were both freaked out later, I remember her talking about the shadow thing again, but still I blew her off until we started going through the pictures we'd taken that day. Two photos in particular stood out. I have no idea what they are. They could be a glare of some sort. I don't know. To me, it looks like a figure coming down the stairs in one and in the other, the same figure is now somehow in the auditorium.
1: Now the person in question included the photos, uh, but I don't think they look like much to me. They just look like Blurry photos Yeah With light coming through A room I mean I, I'm literally I don't see anything there
2: Um I can see something Kind of on the right hand side Right where the cursor is Yeah That block Yeah Oh it's a door Yeah Oh no I don't see it So no I'm I'm not I mean
1: this looks Just like a light pattern I'm not really seeing it But um That said I mean the story itself The stories itself Are fascinating Yeah
2: no it's great And I love exploring Stories Um I don't want to fall to my death in an old building, so I tend not to do it. But I'm always interested in that kind of thing. Oh, I yeah. love seeing the pictures on the internet. Oh, absolutely. Urbex and stuff. Yeah, we talked about it. that in yeah. Detroit. Love it, love it, love it. Can't get enough.
1: There was, uh, I think I might have mentioned this on a show before. There is an abandoned settlement outside Kamloops in BC. Which, oh, yeah, you went on a tour, didn't you? Uh, well, there's that, too. That was uh, in episode 18. We talked about the old asylum. I
2: can't believe you remember the name of the, number of the episode. <laughs> I'm so impressed.
1: It's almost like I'm the one who organizes all this weird. stuff.
2: Weird. <laughs> Does all the editing and writing. So weird. No. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, no, that
1: was episode eighteen: uh, the city by the lake and other places to die. Which, if you haven't heard it, uh, worth checking out because that was a very cool tour, mm-hmm. and uh, the photos as well. I mean, both myself and Drunk in a Graveyard had some pretty solid shots.
2: But are no, they, are they doing more tours there?
1: I believe they're doing tours regularly now, oh. but I don't know for sure. Um, I, would,
2: I would do a weekend thing and go. Check it, the it'd head. be worth it. Yeah, yeah
1: no, it's just because uh, again they don't do ghost tours. They right. are adamant yes. that it is
2: not haunted. No, of course they are.
1: But it just a, it's a fascinating place. But yeah. the place I was thinking of, actually, is a settlement. You can't get to it by road now. The, the company that owns the land has blocked it off. But right. It was a homestead of some description, which was bought, I believe, by a cattle company. Oh, wow. So the house is still there. The cars are still in the garage. There's a bulldozer in the sh- in the barn. Wow. Um. There's a, lo- a lawnmower standing in tall grass. Everyone's gone. The houses are falling apart. Weird, just
2: fascinating. And can you get there still? Just you got to walk in.
1: Yeah, I think you could walk in. And I imagine if you approached the company's head office in downtown Kamloops, I'm you know I'm sure if you had some reasonable reason to be there, they'd probably let you be there. Right. But I mean, if you were caught, you were technically trespassing. Right. Uh, but and we were trespassing when we went, but it wasn't blocked off at the time. Right. And this was before. I think they realized people were going there. And so they wanted to stop it before vandalism happened because it was sure enough. surprisingly enough the place wasn't trashed. Right when we got there, my right. cousin and I uh, just but had such a creepy vibe because Kamloops itself is in this old river valley. Right. With, and but it's desert, so the town itself has an unusual vibe. And then you get out to this this little settlement, and it was so remote, you just feel like you're on the far side of the moon. Wow. And actually, funny enough, I have one picture, which is the. Sort of desert landscape Yeah But it's an off color And there's one green ball Hmm. Next to the road Every other picture is fine And I've got three others From that set Yeah Just in one picture There's There's this green green ball ball And the colors are off
2: Interesting
1: So it could be a A a lens anomaly Yeah But given how strange That abandoned settlement felt Yeah Yeah. it, It does make me wonder Ah that's cool Yeah so Next up, actually, we have one that takes place not too far from us. When I was 17, I worked at a summer camp in Washington State, and I distinctly remember something that two of our kids said happened to them. Their names were Wyatt and Vivian, and they were not only charming little kids, but intelligent too. Their level of intelligence and maturity at their age was kind of shocking, and that's why I didn't doubt them when they came to me with their story. They came separately, their stories matched, and they were frightened, Hmm. so I was even more inclined to believe them. According to the children, they had been playing Marbles or some such similar game. I was 17 a long time ago. (laughs) When they saw something alien, I don't necessarily mean on alien, but the way they described it, it feels alien, as in other. The creature walked on two legs, had pale pinkish skin, and yellow eyes, and a head that at first sounded like it resembled a bull terriers, kind of triangular. But I eventually came to realize that Sounded more like the characters from that old cartoon spy versus spy <laughs> long and pointed, most definitely not human. Their description was fairly detailed, and as I said before, the kids were frightened, so I tended to believe them. Even so, I asked a fair number of questions to try and find a hole in their story. What's unusual is that my memory of that time and event is spotty. It's the oddest thing I've ever heard, but so much of it has faded from my memory. Of course, I lost touch with Wyatt and Vivian after the summer, so I don't know if they ever saw the creature again, but for their sake, I hope not. Wow And that I mean that's do I, I not mean, It's not necessarily Even cryptid That's just creepy
2: Yeah That is creepy And for them to see it separately And tell the same story separately Yeah That's intense That kind of reminds
1: me Of the Los Angeles episode Where that guy would w- The two guys who woke up To find the weird Almost gray looking things Yeah
2: In their room Yeah yeah
1: I mean these are a little bit different These are more flesh colored Than yeah. gray But same idea You know And you wonder what the hell that is Yep
2: Something weird No, No kidding Until about a year ago, I attended a year-round daycare at Lewis and Clark College that also functioned as a summer camp. At the time this event occurred, I was 12, and being one of the older kids, had only about two friends my age at camp, David and Michael. Since all the other kids were at least two years younger than us, we ate in the large cluttered kitchen instead of the main room. One day while we were eating, the kitchen became noticeably colder for no apparent reason, and we all got goosebumps. Now, I've always believed in the supernatural, and my friends knew that, so of course they start teasing me about the temperature drop being caused by ghosts. After a couple of jokes, they got bored, and we moved on to another topic. Before long, it got even cooler in the room, and something strikingly white caught my eye to the right. I punched Michael in the arm, and we all watched as a translucent man walked by quickly, carrying what appeared to be some kind of cooking implement. He walked across the room without stopping, and then walked through the wall. Next door to the kitchen was a classroom. So we ran over there to see him again, but he was gone. We never saw the man again, but I always felt a presence near us while in the kitchen. And everyone except for David and Michael thought I was bonkers. You know the
1: the white thing that reminds me of the Detroit. There was a story yeah. about the kids in the new edition of the house. Yep, they had the was it they saw a light in the closet or they heard a voice from the closet, and then mm. they investigated. There was nothing, but from the corner of their eye, or their eye, they saw that white cloud thing dart. Yeah. And actually, when I was at Lizzie Borden House, once they started using the Ouija board, Ugh. I started, I seen white move mm-hmm. out of the corner of my eye. It was yep. like the air pressure changed.
2: Well, and it's, it, that is, I mean, we have better visual acuity at the corners of our eyes for evolutionary purposes. I've read that, that we get, uh, there is ultraviolet sensitivity in the corners of your we eyes. We pick up more and we pick it up faster and it's, they call it COTEP, right? Corner of the Eye Phenomena. Oh, okay. Um, it actually has a name because it happens so often. Right. So you'll catch something in the corner, and then what most people do is they turn to look. Of course, they don't see anything because you're using a different part of your eye, and you dismiss it. Right. But in these rare cases, you catch something in the corner of your eye which makes you focus, and then if you're able to, or sometimes just because it's decided to let you see it, you can see full on. Interesting. I have never seen full on, ever. I would kind of like to, I'm also kind of a coward. <laughs> oh, I, I would say it depends on what it is. Very true.
1: Because after seeing those sh- three shadow people full on, yeah, that was genuinely frightening.
2: No, I, I don't think I'd handle that well. I've felt them lots. I've heard them lots. Right. I've never seen in my full front acuity vision.
1: Which reminds me, um, something happened to a friend of mine that was full on.
2: Really? Yeah, so I'm, we'll take a, just
1: a quick break. on will tell you about yeah. it. So my friend cleans houses. And they were cleaning a house out in Langford, which yep. for those of you who don't know is a suburb of Victoria. Yeah. And they were all alone in the house. It was them and the dog. Right. They were cleaning the mirror. They looked up and a woman's face is right over their shoulder. Oh shit. Taller than them. No one else is home. Right. They flip around thinking, cause if they thought, oh, someone came home and I didn't hear them. So they turn around,
2: there's There's
1: no one there except about four feet away from them is what they have described as the shape of a person, but looking like it's made out of opaque glass.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they, it was, it was again, it appeared to be a woman's frame taller than them, but they said they've never seen anything like this. Wow. And it just slowly faded. But it was there. It was a. I wonder
2: s- what the history of the house is and stuff like that.
1: Well, that's the thing because my friend and I were talking about this, and we 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 talk about paranormal stuff fairly frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've had experiences, but nothing. This didn't have a feeling attached to it. It was just all of a sudden this person's there, and that's like when I saw the shadows because it right. wasn't like I feel gloom and then I, they're there. It was holy shit. There's something there. Boom. And yeah. that's what this was like. Wow. You know, you're 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 looking. Oh, there's a person. There's not a person. There's a person made of glass. What the hell is happening? Yeah. And it's gone. Holy. Yeah. And they've since been back to that house to clean it. it hasn't happened again. But the dog didn't react. Nothing. Crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So who knows? So this story is the one we referenced earlier when we talked about uh, yeah. Charles Ruggles and yeah. uh, Land Houston. This experience is something I've carried with me for quite some time. The summer camp I used to go to was organized through my former preschool. That school also held a kindergarten, and the building was the final remnant of a large estate originally owned by actor Charles Ruggles. If you've seen the original Parent Trap, he was the grandfather. Marion was the name of the woman who owned and operated the school. She was an incredible person, and I have only good memories of my experience there. At Easter, Marion would arrange for the Easter Bunny to come visit us, and at Halloween she would turn the entire basement into a witch's lair, where us kids could come down and make poison apples, really candy (laughs) apples. Halloween was always really effective because she usually let her long black hair do whatever it liked, so it was pretty wild, and she also owned more sequined outfits than anyone I've ever known. (laughs) Marion was a loving woman, but she was no pushover. If we misbehaved, we got timeouts, and we knew she disapproved. That hurt more than the timeouts, I think. Marion passed on when I was seven, but thankfully she left the school, summer camp, and everything to her daughter, who had worked at the school for a long time and wanted to continue her mother's legacy. Because of this, my parents signed me up for summer camp as they always had. Part of our instruction involved what the teachers called storytelling boards, and when they weren't in use, they were stored in the back room. One day that summer, while my friends and I were waiting to leave on a field trip, we decided to sneak into that back room and play with the storyboards. When the coast was clear, we opened the door, flicked on the lights. Kids are such shits. (laughs) And walked over to the farthest left-hand corner of the room, where we climbed a bench to reach the storyboards on a high shelf. As my friend and I were reaching for the boxes, the lights went out and we looked toward the door to tell our other friend to stop messing around. Marion, who we all knew had been dead for several months, was standing there. Hmm. She was as solid as you and me and seemed to be almost glowing or at least creating her own light in the dim room. She wore one of her black sequin dresses, her hair wild, her hands on her hips, as she would normally do before telling someone off for misbehaving. My friend and I were frozen in fear. All we could do was stare. Finally, the friend who was supposed to have been watching the door screamed and bolted towards the other door, away from Marion. Once she did, the lights came back on and Marion was gone. Needless to say, my friend and I ran from that room as fast as we could and never looked back. I attended summer camp at this school until the age of 13 and never
2: did see her again, but then I also made sure to behave myself. (laughs) You know, it reminds me of something that happened at the camp I was helping out in Alberta. We always had to sit. In the gazebo between the boy side of the camp and the girl side of the camp. Right. And you'd usually have to sit there till one or two in the morning. Why? Because the boys or the girls would try and sneak over. Of course. To visit each other. That's
1: amazing. So it so really happened. That's it, nice. It to really know.
2: did happen. So we would sit there and we would like, hey, you know, and then they'd freak out and run back to their cabins. But this was sort of an ongoing thing. You knew. Yeah, yeah. Cops and robbers. This was part of it. Yeah. Until one year, it got really, really, really dry that summer. And. We had uh, coyotes coming into the camp and scratching at doors, looking for food, looking for water. And um, we told the kids this the first night of teen camp. We're like, just so you know, know, this is what's going on. So if you have to go to the bathroom at night, go with someone else, stick to the paths, don't go into the woods. Um, We sat in the gazebo that first night. Nothing. Not one kid. No movement, no pranks, no nothing. By the second night, we realized, oh, my God, these kids are scared of the coyotes. <laughs> so then I just told that story every single year. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, just say no, coyotes. Uh, they're in the camp, so be careful. Never had to stay up late again.
1: Oh, that's amazing. It was awesome. I mean, it's a little disappointing because I just love the whole teenage stupidity
2: th- part of that yeah but if you have to get up at like six in the morning and you're up until two and you have to do that seven days a yeah week, that's no good no i
1: don't get up at six in the morning anyways no
2: so. i know there is a six in the morning i don't know if you knew that that sounds like propaganda to me
1: <laughs> prove it you don't have documentation
2: <laughs> but that reminded me of that something happened and she just never misbehaved again no that's awesome <laughs> uh, funny
1: enough something that she mentioned as well kind of caught me is that um the fact that Marion was giving off Her, her own light Yeah uh, There's a story I was told Unfortunately I can't repeat it But that story does involve Seeing someone who is not there And who was in fact deceased Giving off her own glow in the in the moonlight Wow Yeah so it's uh, I don't know It makes you wonder exactly what that is Alright For this next one We're going to Oregon, Illinois. and I find that confusing. I don't yeah, like the that U.S. Is it's like they ran out of names. <laughs> it's like they we have we have twenty names. By God, and we're going to use those. Those yeah. are good Christian names. Yeah. Anything else is the devil's work. Well, it's like
2: Paris, Ontario.
1: Yeah, Paris, Ontario. Paris, London, Texas.
2: Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. No weird. They even we're, have a River Thames. Really? Yeah. I called it the town of the uh, perfect ripoff because <laughs> they had a Hyde Park. They had the River Thames. Oh, that's brutal. Oh, it was terrible.
1: So what? What? egregious arrogance in Western culture. We, we completely ran roughshod over this land. Yeah. And instead of doing anything good with it, we just named it after all the awful shit we thought we that left behind. That we left behind it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Exactly. Oh, I
1: miss yeah. the terrible way things we were back home. Let's, let's create colonialism and bloodshed here and name
0: yeah. it all
2: the shit we left behind. Perfect. What a bunch of boobs. <laughs> Anyways, please continue. Alright. My story takes place at White Pines Dude Ranch in Oregon, Illinois. I was 10 years old at the time and visiting the ranch with my Girl Scout troop. My best friend was also a member of this troop and she was with me during the encounter. The dude ranch had a bunkhouse, mess hall and pool, and for added scary effect, there was a graveyard right next to the pool. This was the summer that the original Poltergeist movie came out and almost all of us had seen the movie. In fact, for most of us, it was the first horror movie we had ever seen in the theater. Those of us that hadn't seen it, we're still well aware of its famous pool scene. Have you seen Poltergeist? I have. Okay. It's one of the I And I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. It's
1: a great movie, yeah. but what's funny is that was I believe that came out before the PG-13 rating oh. was created. Oh. So A lot yeah, of people saw the movie who shouldn't have seen the correct, movie. Correct. I believe it was just rated PG because there was technically No, no boobs. G- no boobs, no yeah. overt violence, no yeah. swearing. Yeah, I, th- I think that was 82, and I think yeah. the
2: PG-13 rating came out in 84 for um, Temple of Doom. Did you know that those skulls and bones in that maybe turned out to be actual human skulls and bones? No. They cheaped out. On props, and they—I don't remember—they got them. From, I just read this a couple of weeks ago, but the scene where they're in the water with all the skulls sure. and bones—those are real human.
1: Good bones. God! Yeah. How is it that real bones are cheaper than fake bones?
2: So that's. F- up. I don't know. They wouldn't be now. Well,
1: no, but, but still,
2: <laughs> what an '80s thing. I know it's
1: cheaper to use dead people than yeah. fake people. Now let's do yeah. another fat rail of white lightning. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Anyway, Anyways, yes, back
1: to back to White Pine's Dude Ranch.
2: A cement walkway connected the bunkhouse to the mess hall a distance of maybe a quarter mile. The walkway is surrounded by grassy fields with no trees to block the view. My friend and I were walking from the bunkhouse to the mess hall, enjoying the fresh air, when we heard footsteps behind us, seemingly walking the same direction as we were. The next part is a moment I will never forget. My friend and I casually turned to see who was behind us, expecting to see another one of our friends. To our shock, the sound of footsteps could still be very clearly heard advancing towards us, but no one was there. We slowly turned to face each other, and I could see my friend's eyes were wide in fear. We both screamed at the same time and started running for our lives. As we reached the mess hall, two of our friends jumped out from behind some barrels while shouting, Boo! We both screamed, then started laughing hysterically with relief. This wasn't quite the reaction the pranksters had expected. They looked at each other quizzically. We asked them how on earth were they able to produce those footsteps so far up the road. Our friends had no idea what we were talking about. It turned out jumping out at us had been the full extent of their prank. This was not my first paranormal experience, but it was the first one that I shared with another person. When something happens to one alone, even if one is a child, it's easy to chalk up the experience to an overactive imagination. When someone else is there to witness the event, it becomes a little harder to explain away. Yeah, no kidding. And we've talked about that. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. When something happens with someone else, it's very hard to uh, explain it away or ignore it. Not, th- not, not for want of trying, though, I'll no. tell you.
1: Oh, God, no. I love th- in that, I just love that the kids had a prank set up, and yeah. you know, then they, they were outdone by whatever had <laughs> happened. Like, ha, ha. <laughs> Oh, man, how'd you do all
2: those footsteps? Oh, uh, what now? What? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, well. Not great. Not great. No. <laughs> so this next one is, uh, I don't know where this one takes place. This one's a little more general. When I was 14, I went camping in the summer with the girl guides. I bet you did. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. (laughs) 200 meters is not as close as you'd think. (laughs) Sorry. When I was 14, I went camping in the summer with the girl guides. We only traveled a few miles away to a place we had visited a few times for game nights. Each year, our guides would merge with the two others in the area for a huge camp for around five days. The place we were staying in was rumored to have a ghost in the main house. The story being that it only showed itself to members of the family. We were staying on the large estate near the woods, a fair distance away from the house. I had been there quite a lot and knew the grounds well. I was staying in a tent with the young girls, ranging from age 10 to 13, because I didn't have a tent of my own. The first day and night went smoothly. We built a climbing frame, lit candles in the dark, and played a game where we pretended to have landed on an alien planet. The next morning, me and one of the other girls got up early to collect firewood for breakfast, so we ventured into the woods on our own. We were joking around, grabbing wood as we walked, and ended up playing on the camp obstacle course even though it was technically out of bounds. When we were done, we grabbed the firewood and started walking back to camp. The woods to me felt strange, and looked strange too. It was as if the place was slightly different somehow. I decided to try scaring the girl I was with, just messing around because it was fun. It worked so she ran off and left me behind. While I was walking back, I saw movement to my left, then again up ahead. And as I was about to leave the woods, I saw from the corner of my eye, there it is again, there it is again, a man wearing a white t-shirt and cap carrying something long, maybe a shotgun. Then he was gone and no one was there. I'd seen stranger things, so I shrugged it off and once I was out of the woods, everything went back to normal. I looked back and the woods were as they should have been, not like they had been just a moment before. It's hard to explain, but they seemed newer somehow before, not so wild. And everything was misty, but without there being any mist around, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Grainy somehow. And I've experienced that in my old apartment building. Yeah, yeah. I used to describe it as like looking through smoke, yeah. but there is no smoke. Yeah. On the second last day of the camp out, we played the landing on an alien planet game. I was on my own building a pretty awesome shelter when I realized I'd left my pen knife in the tent, so I went back for it. This kid is tougher than me. Yeah, no kidding. When I got there, the kids I'd been sharing with were crying their eyes out, terrified. The story I finally got out of them that they had been making their food when they saw a man wearing a white shirt and cap and he had appeared and disappeared right in front of them. I tried to tell them everything was fine and the man couldn't hurt them, but they were seriously shaken and I got blamed for telling them a scary story. <laughs> the thing is, I had only tried to scare one girl at the very start and had never mentioned the man to anyone. Wow. That night was a campfire and as it ended, we all ran through the pitch black woods back to camp leaving the person looking after us all alone. Kids suck. <laughs> She had a light, so I thought it was no big deal. She had to make sure the fire was out, anyways. A week after that night, I found out something had happened on her way back to camp, and she has refused to camp at that site ever since, but won't tell anyone why.
2: Wow. Yeah. I'd be telling why. I absolutely would, but but some people are weird about that. I know. They don't want to look like they're crazy, and again, if they acknowledge it
1: and say it out loud,
2: then it's real. Yeah.
1: The next morning, I was too excited by what had been going on to bother with packing. I was in a ghost hunting mood. (laughs) So me and two other girls went into the woods. Yeah,
2: she's way braver than me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I was in the lead. Yeah, definitely braver. Yep. As we walked along the path and when I stopped walking, I could hear footsteps in front of us, specifically footsteps on dead leaves, Hmm. except there were no leaves on the ground and no one was walking anywhere near us. I followed the sounds, becoming sure it was someone who had heavy boots on. It was so strange because everyone at camp had trainers. The girls I was with could hear it as well. We followed the sounds to a clearing at the very edge of the woods where it stopped. I sat down at the edge of the clearing and the other girls were behind me. They were scared. I did the whole, if anyone is here, can you give me a sign routine? And as I finished, a white mist suddenly fell over the woods. You could see things moving behind it, but nothing clear. It hung in the air as the other two girls ran off screaming. I sat for a minute and watched it before saying thank you. As I said this, it was like a gust of wind hit and it was gone. There was no wind. It was just awesome. Wow. That was the last of the strange stuff for that camp. We had to finish packing up and left that afternoon. I've been back a few times since and nothing strange has happened. The woods have always felt normal since then. A few years after that, I found out I am actually related to the family who owned the house and estate. Since then, I've always been curious if the activity picked up because I was staying on the grounds. Hmm. I got to say, this kid kind of sounds both... Great, yeah. and like a pain in the ass,
2: <laughs> which I guess
1: all teenage
2: girls—it kind of describes them all. Yeah, but uh, no, I I, I kind of like it, and I think the more time you spend there, the energy can get used to you as well, mm-hmm. and then decide what it wants to do. So if you're going back for a day trip, nah, nothing's really probably going to happen. But if you're there longer,
1: yeah, I guess five days is a long time to spend. Yeah, it's it is like a, a long time, a, especially if you know she does mention she's had other paranormal experiences. Yeah. so she's
2: sensitive and she's open to it.
1: So this next one is about catholic summer camp which uh that sounds awful as a catholic i can say that
2: well why though why would it be so different it's it's the church more the mary ca- more well i will say communion? the catholic
1: church doesn't have a great track record of taking care of children let's just say
2: <laughs> no that's a good point only by the grace of god did that yeah not happen
1: or well well maybe not i don't know maybe he's on their side it's hard maybe to say.
2: maybe but uh,
1: anyways that's a bit heavy for our show back to catholic <laughs> summer camp
2: for nine summers, my parents sent me to a big Catholic summer camp in the Midwest. By my last summer, I'd become a junior counselor, as had all my friends who were also long-time campers. Nothing strange ever happened to us there until that final year. Our final year at camp happened to be the year the recession hit, meaning there was way fewer campers than in years past, and so many of the cabins were not in use. In our downtime, we were meant to keep those empty cabins clean and free of dust and debris. Me and another junior counselor, Ryan, were assigned to clean two cabins, Cabin C and Cabin D. Cabin D was the first one I ever stayed in at camp, and it was always said to be haunted, but I never had a single thing happen there. Even so, Ryan was nervous about it, so I volunteered to do it. Why didn't they just do it together?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Kids are stupid. Cabin D. Because if, we, if we're Catholic and we make the job easier for us, then we have to feel guilty. Oh, right. And then you
2: don't do your penance. Yeah, exactly. Cabin D is one of the oldest. And so one of the smallest cabins at the camp. I think it's something like 80 years old. So I knew it'd be a quick job. It was extremely cold in Cabin D, which suited me fine because it was hot as hell outside with no wind. D was extremely dirty. So I got to sweeping. And after about 15 minutes, I heard what sounded like rustling. I figured it was the sound of a breeze starting up outside and ignored it. Then the screen doors on both sides of the cabin flung open and slammed shut. Wind or not, I dropped the broom in the middle of the floor and ran over to Ryan, who had watched the whole thing from cabin C. We decided this was a good time to take a break (laughs) and found other things to do around the camp. Later that night, one of the senior counselors asked me to go back and get the broom as they were in short supply and used everywhere. My friend Matt, another junior counselor, decided to join me for the walk. Now, I hadn't mentioned the slamming doors to him because he would probably have chickened out of the walk. When we got to Cabin D, we turned on our flashlights, opened the door to find the broom standing straight up on its bristles. Matt and I look at each other, and the broom falls to the ground. Matt wasn't all that bothered by this. He figured I'd left the broom like that to mess with him, as it's not all that hard to do. He grabbed the broom, we left, and as soon as we stepped out of one door, the other flew open and slammed shut, all on its own. We ran like hell. There seems to be a commonality to these
1: camp stories, and there's a lot of running like hell.
2: Oh, yeah. Holy man. Oh, yeah. Yet another reason I wouldn't have done
1: well at camp. <laughs> oh, hang on, ghost. Yeah. Oh, Hold just, on.
2: I'm not built me, for speed. Give me a second. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> I'm built for comfort, not for speed. Oh, gross. <laughs> uh, this is actually another screen door story, but there's a twist to it. Okay. Two twists, actually. Ooh. Yes, and some cr- sweet cryptid action for nice. the people who are into that. I love it. So this... Uh, the story begins, this is technically not paranormal, but still, it was the most absolute terror I have ever experienced. It takes place at Ingham Lutheran Bible Camp, which is on West Okaboji Lake in Iowa. I was 10 years old at the time it happened. For whatever reason, the kids from our cabin, along with our counselor, were going to spend the night in the lounge room just off the dining hall. Early on in the night, we set up our pillows and sleeping bags on the floor there, then went outside for the campfire. The campfire was down the hill from the dining hall next to the lake. As we sat around the fire singing songs and reflecting on what we had learned that day, one of the camp counselors told us kids about the lake monster. (laughs) Cliché, sure, but to sheltered Lutheran kids some 30 years ago, we bought it hook, line, and sinker. Nervously, we listened to the counselor tell the tale of some creature in the lake that comes out of the lake once every 60 years to take a kid. And of course, that year the monster was due. Oh! The counselors changed the mood back to song and prayers, but the fright button had been primed. We finished with a campfire and all of us started walking back to our cabins, or in our case, the lounge off the dining hall. It was very dark as we walked through the trees and up the hill so we talked to each other to keep from being frightened. It worked until we heard a blood-curdling scream from behind us. The story of the lake monster came right back. Our counselor, sounding terrified, screamed for us to run. We sprinted as fast as we could in the dark through the trees up to the dining hall. Our counselor was right behind us and waited for every kid to get in before sliding the wooden doors closed. We were sure we were stuck. Either we'd be safely hidden in that lounge or we were going to die that night. We each huddled deep in our sleeping bags, trying to stay silent while fighting back fear and hyperventilation. For a minute or so, there was complete silence, except for the sound of our racing hearts. The screen door to the dining hall crashed open. Our terror redlined. I was shaking with fear. Pots and pans in the kitchen started banging, followed by a howl from some creature out in the dining hall. Only those old wooden sliding doors separated us from certain death. Again, there was silence outside. Some kids were sobbing, our counselors shushing them. As I either fell asleep or passed out in fear, I don't know which, I could hear kids whimpering from across the room. We all awoke to comforting morning sunshine. The monster wasn't going to get us after all. Obviously, the whole thing was a put-on by the counselors. If it wasn't, the police would have been called. But even so, the fear I felt in my sleeping bag the night before was greater than anything I've ever felt since, and I've had actual paranormal experiences.
2: (laughs) I had that same thing happen. Really? Grade four winter camp in Alberta. So it's snowy. The lake is frozen. And um, we were there in February. And they told us all about the fog monsters. Oh, no. Because fog would roll in off the lake every night with being winter and everything else. And we were absolutely convinced. And I remember knowing the difference between made-up stories and not, but being absolutely terrified. We all were. They actually had to have a camp meeting and the teachers had to tell us that there weren't actually fog monsters. That really? We okay. Yeah, Pe- kids were crying. Oh wow. No one would go anywhere alone. So it's that, I get that hysterical mass fear thing. Yep. You prime them. And that's it. They, yeah. They're going to run with it, especially little kids. So that story, yeah, I, I was going, yep, I can see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's great, though, is it turns out, and we did some
1: digging into this, Lake Okaboji does actually have Legends of a Monster. Oh, cool. Going back way before White Settlement. Right. So Iowa has, um historically inhabited by the Algonquin people. Right. Uh, there was the Mascoutin, the Souk, or the Souk, um, the Kickapoo, which... Some evil son of a bitch Named a soda after Oh no Kickapoo Joy Juice Oh no Yeah my uncle used to talk about it All the time So oh, do you remember Kickapoo Joy Juice Nope That sounds awful <laughs> These poor people This is what you've reduced Their culture to A terrible soda And there was the misqua misquaki. Miskwak- I'm probably mispronouncing that, so please excuse me. Uh, the Meskwaki, though, specifically have legends of what they call the Nami Peshawa, oh, or wow. underwater panther. Wow! And the description given on NativeLanguages.org dot org describes the Nami Peshawa as a powerful mythological creature, something like a cross between a cougar and a dragon. I guess Nami Peshawa was sound better than Coogan. <laughs> it's Steve Coogan, he's hitting on your daughter. In
2: a super sleazy way
1: Of course Well is there any other way To hit on someone's daughter In front of them It is a dangerous monster Who lives in deep water And causes men and women To drown And so Nami Peshiwa Is said to live in West Okaboji, Which runs uh, As deep as 136 feet In some places Right And it's been described As having a head The size of a bowling ball With a long Brownish green Kind of scaly body And it it sounds like folklore Which is fun But then Luke found An actual encounter Someone had with it In 2001 Okay. So this is, uh, this is that encounter. On June 23rd, 2001, my family and I were on vacation at Lake Okaboji in Iowa. We were at a small resort with a dock. I must make this clear first. Okaboji is a huge lake. This lake was naturally made thousands of years ago. 14,000, I looked it up. (laughs) And is undoubtedly hundreds of feet deep. Not true. And possibly hundreds of acres from shore to shore. Don't know about that. It's 3,800 surface acres. Oh, wow. Did look it up. That is big though. Yes. Uh, And that's just West Okoboji Like, There's also East Okoboji. Oh, wow. Uh, Anyways, that night my two children and I were sitting on the dock eating ice cream cones looking at the water. It was a calm evening, probably about 7.30, so it was still light outside but just starting to get dark. The water was still like glass, with ripples only coming from passing boats, and they were just cheap little things. None of them came anywhere near close to us. My 13-year-old daughter nudged my arm and told me to look where she was pointing. I saw a spot in the water that was churning almost creating a small whirlpool out of it slowly and gracefully rose a massive hump. Well, okay. It wasn't that big, but it was bigger than anything I wanted to see. It quickly moved about two to three feet and rapidly went back under the water. I remember it didn't have scales like a fish, but was more like a snake, or maybe had some kind of pattern that made it look like scales, but it was dark, dark, dark green or blue. I couldn't tell. We were kind of playfully freaked out while we waited for it to surface (laughs) again. Not at all thinking about our safety. Then we saw a head, a very good size oval or sphere, a bit bigger than a bowling ball but not perfectly round, it was kind of oblong, like a lizard or a horse's head. The head rose further out of the water, and I could see it had the same pattern and color as the hump I had previously seen. It swam very quickly. The only part of its body leaving a wake was its head, So, and I knew the creature must have been fairly big, so it would have to have had a fairly long neck for its body not to disturb the surface. It swam probably a dozen yards, then its mouth opened, like it was taking a gulp of air, then it went under. Mm-hmm. Just a split second later, I saw the same hump roll under the water, then the last part of its tail, which was fairly stumpy. My children and I were too dumbfounded to say or do much. Then we saw its head again, this time coming toward our dock. Oh no! When it was about a foot away from the dock supports, the creature went back under the water. Just a second later there was a huge bumping sound And the dock shook violently for a few seconds We ran terrified Back to the shore as fast as we could Can you imagine? No that is the worst thing that water things scare yeah. the show oh, me
2: too i don't swim very well no same here as i've talked before i'm convinced i will drown one day in a boat so i'm a land mammal yeah <laughs> yeah no i don't go in the ocean or lakes or i will go in a river because i can see the bottom right um but uh, yeah no and see as
1: i explained in episode 10 uh we were <laughs> trying to encourage people to check out the catalog man gotcha uh, but we were our, the, the rivers around Revelstoke were very dangerous, mm-hmm. so we were always told you don't go in the river. So the idea of playing in a river seems crazy to me. I know, but um, no, I, I don't. I don't like swimming, and I'm just fascinated by that because I don't believe in f- things like Nessie or o- the Okapogo Ocap- o- 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 yeah. I don't. Or, or Champ in Lake yeah. Champlain. I don't believe that they are sea creatures. Right. If they're anything. It's some kind of like we've talked about Bigfoot possibly being a temporary manifestation. Right. That's what I think they are. And interestingly, the whirlpool thing kind of suggests that to me because it's almost,
2: almost as if it's starting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's coming from somewhere, like water's being displaced somewhere. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in my book, A Strange Little Place. I know everywhere, Fine books are sold. <laughs> Uh, But as I was saying, south of Revelstoke, there is a very paranormally active area called the Arrow Lakes. Yes, I've heard of that. And uh, one of the things people have told me, or or someone told me, and someone I trust, and again, I can't remember if it's in the book or not, but they have seen a lake creature there. Hmm. But they're one of the only people to have described that. Right. And so I don't think there's an actual lake creature, because the water isn't that deep. Right. I think... It is a manifestation of, or just another manifestation of all the activity in that area. Right. Um, the only ones that really interest me are the ones people don't like talking about. And there was a sea monster show I watched oh, 10 years ago, and I've, I've tried to find it since. I cannot not yep. find it. In fact, I thought I had found the program, but that segment was missing. Oh, so wow. I'm, it must have got it wrong, but it was a lake monster, but the locals didn't want to talk about it. Ooh. And that is fascinating.
2: I agree. That's the kind
1: that I want to hear about. Yeah. When you've yeah. got merchandise, I'm, yeah, I'm less yeah, concerned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got an economy to power. <laughs> but when you've got folks going, ain't no monorail and there never was, yeah, yeah, then, yeah. then yeah. I want to know.
2: Absolutely. So that is
1: the story from That's Lake cool. Okoboji. So that was a good find, Luke. Thank you.
2: Yeah. All right. This one is about horse camp. During the summer when I was around nine years old, I was allowed to stay a week or two at a horse riding camp. The kind where everyone gets to look after a horse while they're there. We stayed in rooms with bunk beds and closets, four to eight girls per room. Thankfully, I was assigned to one of the smaller rooms and made fast friends with the other girls, two of whom were already 12 and 14 years old. During the cool summer nights, the four of us would sometimes huddle together and watch the lightning storms. (laughs) One night, I don't remember exactly which, I woke up for no apparent reason and lay there a while, listening to the soft breathing of my roommates. Then, from behind a crack in the closet door, I see a flash of light. Once twice. I was so scared I nearly wet the bed. The next morning one of my roommates opens the closet and her camera was in there. I felt silly for being scared and relieved but could never figure out why it went off all of a sudden like that or why I happened to be awake to see it. I wonder if she ever developed those photos and if so what would they look like? You know and that's that's interesting because
1: I mean in this case it was obviously a real camera flash. Right. But I'm pretty sure it was in Mothman Prophecies. John Keel talks about seeing phantom flashes oh. at pivotal points in his life
2: really
1: they look like camera flashes but there's no source interesting and i have seen them myself wow before back in 2013 when i got the idea to go down b- visit texas and see my friend who lived down there which started me on all these road trips mm-hmm. just before i made that decision i saw a series of these flashes the first one happened when i was i where was i was actually going to see god help me a riffraff concert. <laughs> and I, I assume you don't know who that is. I actually do. Oh, you know do? Okay, well, well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was one for the books. Oh, my and God. And not the good books. No. It was like shitty karaoke. Yeah. He he. literally, at one point, he drank from a bottle of Kettle One vodka and sang along to the Red Hot Chili Peppers scar tissue.
2: That was part of the concert? That
1: was part of the concert. Jesus. It was spectacular in its mediocrity. Where is he now, I wonder. Uh, well, hopefully at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> no, I, I think he's still touring. I, he came through town again. I did not go. I declined to wow. re-experience that. But, That's uh,
2: amazing.
1: But anyway, so my friend and I were walking to the show, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we saw up on this balcony, flash. We turned to look, because we both saw it. Yeah. I saw it as blue. They saw it as, as white. But we both saw it. We turned to look up at that uh, at the balcony. There was no one standing there. And we thought, for a second, we thought, oh, well, maybe... Someone inside is taking a picture Right So we kept walking Flash again Same place look up Curtains are closed Oh wow Couldn't figure it out So we, anyways we, we went to see Riff Raff And yeah. that was life altering But in a yeah, yeah. wholly <laughs> different way <laughs> Then two days later I was at work in the office Which is the you know The haunted office building Yeah. Back when we were on the second floor Where the haunting is much stronger Right And I thought I heard Paper rustling In my boss's office and there was no one else in the building Right So I got up Looked No one in there Went back to my desk Sat down Then To my 10 o'clock In the conference room Flash Flash Blue Wow So I thought Maybe someone's outside Taking pictures It's the middle of the Yeah
2: day. yeah and there's yeah There's
1: no yeah. way A camera yeah, flash But still yeah, yeah I walked out there No No one out there
2: Crazy Yeah
1: I mean This is obviously There was a camera there Yeah But you wonder yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Or did it just happen to be a camera there? And what does it represent?
2: That too? Yeah. And I believe this person had one <sighs> more story. Mm-hmm. Something else happened, this one more scary than the other. Like I said before, some nights we would get together and watch the lightning storms. One night, the girls from my room and a neighboring room were watching the forks coming down in the distance. The lightning wasn't just white or bluish, but green and purple, which scared us a little. Then the I've old, never seen green lightning. No, green or purple lightning. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then the older girls began asking weird questions to the sky, determining which answers were yes and which were no based on the color of the lightning. I don't remember which color meant what or, or everything they asked, but I do remember them asking if somebody or something was coming to visit us tonight. The answer was yes. The game was over when the smaller girls and me got too scared and the camp employees came in to do the goodnight check. Soon we were all asleep. A few hours later, somebody turned the lights on our room on, and I snapped awake. When I sat up, all the girls from the neighboring room and the camp leader were standing in our room looking worried. I felt like my heart skipped a few beats, even though I didn't know what was going on at first. One of the girls from next door then claimed I'd come into their room a couple minutes ago, moving like a robot, and stolen one of their blankets away. And believe it or not, there it was. The blanket was in my bed, and I was tucked up in it, tight. So tight they couldn't have snuck in and hit it on me. They said I was probably sleepwalking, and very scary. I actually came to believe I did sleepwalk to their room and took the bedding. But what bothered me was I'd never sleep sleepwalked before, and never have since. It scared us all, and we talked a lot about it the next day when it was all sunny and nice outside again. The story had spread, and a lot of girls in the camp were scared. None of us will ever get to know what was really going on that night, but maybe something did visit us. I just know that sleepwalking isn't me. Huh. And... The fact that she was tucked into the bed? Of course, yeah. You can't tuck yourself in. That's
1: very true. Well, that reminds me of a story we were told about the hotel in Colorado. Yes. Uh,
2: I can't remember the name. Yeah.
1: But she they woke up, and they were both tucked into bed super tight. Tight, tight. yes. Interesting. That is interesting. And actually, that reminds me of another story I heard uh, years ago when I first started working on... My book Strange little place Available everywhere Fine books are sold I heard about a house In the town of Vernon Or a condo In the town of Vernon Where someone I knew Had experienced Feeling someone near them Right So I, I just Apropos of nothing I went to this house And knocked on the door To see who was living there And the people Who were living there Looked I will say troubled But They had experienced something It wasn't the feeling Of a person They felt their pet Who was deceased Jumping up on the bed At night mm-hmm. And And when we, as we kept talking, the girl remembered another experience and I could tell she was deeply troubled by this. She was living in a house in Prince George, BC. And she moved into this this room and for a reason she cannot understand every night, something would come over her and she would feel herself compelled. She couldn't stop it to pick up her bedding, take it downstairs and sleep on the floor. Whoa. She was awake. She wasn't sleepwalking. What? She was aware, but something compelled her. I'd be like, F- that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm out, bitch. Wow. But yeah, something would compel her to sleep downstairs. She eventually switched rooms and it stopped happening.
2: Really? It's like something just wanted her out of the room. Yeah. Wow. That's hairy, eh? That is intense. Yikes. Yeah, I'm not cool with that. So next up, uh, we have a trilogy of Ooh,
1: shadow stories. Please. These, these are always fun. About 10 years ago, I attended a local YMCA summer camp. At the time, I was six, and there were a lot of kids at the camp my age, most of whom I got on with pretty well. One of the regular spots the counselors would bring us to was a nearby park, which had a large gazebo and flower garden with public restrooms just outside the fence. That sounds boring as hell. (laughs) The kids and counselors always talked about the restrooms being haunted, but because they were outside the fence, we were not allowed to go in them without accompaniment. On this particular day at the park, the counselors told us we could do whatever we liked as long as we stayed inside the fence. But of course, my friends and I wanted to check out the restrooms. (laughs) We were afraid of being caught leaving the park and having some of our camp privileges taken away. So the plan was to quickly run over to the bathrooms when the counselors were not paying attention and slip inside. And it worked. We had all run so fast that by the time I got into the bathroom, I was gasping for air. By the time I caught my breath... My friends were already walking around, looking in stalls to see if anything was out of the ordinary, which is such a boy thing to do. Yeah. Just, oh, there'll be something in the toilet, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) No. I stood in the corner by the sinks and mirrors. I can't explain why, but an eerie feeling slowly came over me. Something didn't feel right. Of course, it smelled horrible, but it was a public bathroom, so you can expect that. It was a large bathroom, too. There were about 10 stalls, and my friends checked all 10 without finding anything unusual. Before we left, my friend Chris used one of the stalls and then went across the room to wash his hands. While he did this, the rest of us were talking about how fake the bathroom legend was and what a rip-off the whole thing had been. Just then, Chris screamed. We turned to see him staring at something in the mirror, a look of absolute fright on his face. And in that mirror was a shadow in the shape of a man. Hmm. We all sprinted out of the bathroom screaming and immediately told the counselors. They felt so bad about the state we were in they didn't bother punishing us. <laughs> I like to be scientific about things and try to find explanations, but I cannot explain this occurrence because no one was in the bathroom except for us. This is an experience I will never forget.
2: Wow, This one's all you. I went to a farm camp that had been running for around 70 years before losing its lease in 2014 and closing. Before it was a summer camp, it was just a big ranch that had been in the family for a couple generations. So this area had seen a lot of human activity for a long time. During the sessions, each cabin would get the chance to sleep outside in one of the big, open areas. One year after my cabin had slept outside, I woke up just after sunrise before anyone else was awake. I was just about to climb out of my sleeping bag to fill my water bottle when the camp dogs woke up and started growling. I could see from the window they were growling in the direction of the footpath to the pig pen. There's not much over there apart from a line of skinny, dead-looking trees before an open field, so I couldn't figure out why they had their backs up. But then I saw it. Running up the path was a shadowy figure. It was tall, had pointed arms and legs, almost like a stick figure, and it almost seemed like it was running in slow motion, like it was being suspended by something and was making running motions as it was being pulled along. The dogs then ran towards it barking, and as they got close, the thing disappeared behind one of the skinny trees. Needless to say, I didn't leave my sleeping bag until the rest of the girls in my cabin were up a little while later. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I think I'll just stay here forever. Yeah, I'll just wait till there's people going over there by themselves.
1: Then go home. <laughs> uh, so this one's just a short one. When I was 12, I had a paranormal encounter at summer camp I'll never forget. During the night, I saw three shadows entering the room. Two seemed to be looking around with no real intention, but the third was wearing a hat, and I felt he was malevolent. One of the more harmless-seeming ones was climbing on the bunk bed in front of me.
2: Huh.
1: It was so dark, I thought it may have been my imagination, and for some reason, I went back to sleep, which we've talked about many yep. times. Yep. In the morning, I didn't say anything, but the girl sleeping on the bunk bed in front of me said, hey, I kind of saw a human-like shadow thing climbing on my bed last night, and I almost shit my pants.
2: <laughs> that's a great minute That's Yeah, I don't think, you know, that <laughs> just gets the point right across. No kidding. All right, and finally take it away for about seven summers while i was growing up i stayed and sometimes worked at a camp in the adirondacks i loved the place but there were parts of it that creeped me out there was a main building plus two camp units they were like small cabins but with one wall that was completely screened the unit i was staying in was called trails end and the other was cimarron cimarron had well it had problems One year when I was a counselor in training, one hell of a storm hit, and Cimarron was the closest cabin, so we holed up in there. It was me, my campmates, and our substitute counselor huddled in the dining area. The walls were screened, so they weren't great protection from the elements, but at least we weren't standing in the rain. The whole time, we felt like someone was watching us, and even after the storm ended, we stayed there out of fear and anxiety until someone came to find us. Years later, after I'd become a counselor, I was doing something in Cimarron. I don't remember what. And one of the girls came over saying a campmate needed help we had two major rules of the camp no running and you have to have a buddy particularly at night which this was the girl said she couldn't get a buddy to go with her so she ran she tried to run back once we talked but it was dark and she could easily trip so i stopped her i asked her why she was walking so fast she said she felt like something was watching her and following not far behind i got chills I looked around to make sure nothing was watching or following us, and all I could see were the tall trees fading into the night. There was no way I could have guessed what was coming. One night, a couple of weeks later, we had finally gotten the campers quiet and into bed. I went back to Trail's End and started to climb into my bunk when I heard a small girl's voice say, um, like she was about to ask a question. Startled, I turned, and two of my co-workers who had heard it also looked. There were no flashlights, no campers, nothing. We hadn't heard anyone approach, and with all the dried leaves everywhere, we would have heard something, but no. The three of us looked at one another, and one of my co-workers said, We're going to pretend that it was my stomach and go to sleep. We agreed. At breakfast the next morning, the staff from Cimarron were talking amongst themselves. When we asked what was wrong, they told us that after lights out, the night had gotten weird fast. The staff in Cimarron that year were some of the most level-headed staff I saw come to that place. They didn't mess around, and were vocal about there being no such thing as ghosts. So to hear the story from them shook me hard. They told us that all night a voice had been circling their cabin saying, hey, it would come from the left, then the right, then another location. They didn't hear footsteps. Like I said, you'd hear those. And the voice itself was gender neutral, but hoarse and rough. It got so bad they called three senior admin staff over, and all of them were even more no bullshit than the staff of Cimarron. They stayed for about 10 minutes before saying, I'm not making this up. You're on your own and bailing. (laughs) No one stayed in Cimarron the rest of the summer. Some of the kids and staff doubled up with us in Trails End. The rest stayed in the main building. No one was going back in there.
1: Huh. Hearing a voice in the woods at night may be the worst thing ever. Well, because there's nowhere to run away from. Oh, yeah. You were completely alone in a foreign element. Yeah. That's as bad as a sea creature, but for different
2: reasons. (laughs) exactly. Holy man. Yeah, and and, um, I remember there being... That story brought back memories for me because at the camp I was talking about on Thetis Island, there was a beach where one of the girls who was a lifeguard had drowned a number of years earlier, 1960s, 1970s. And this had actually happened? This This had actually happened. There was a tree planted for her, but they had to plant it every year because the tree kept dying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, And we would go there on one particular day of camp. We would have this sort of picnic lunch. Right. And everyone would grab a lunch bag and a drink, and that was the trail. We would go to this. It's called Godiva's Beach. And um, no one ever went there any other time. And it was beautiful. But no one, in the nine years I worked for that church, I never saw anyone go there other than that group activity. Really? Yeah. Everyone went to this other beach, but no one would cross almost this imaginary line. No one went there.
1: Like some kind of natural instinct just kept you away. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
2: And when we would play night games, even though the land was massive, people would only play on the right side of the camp. They wouldn't go on the left side. That's so interesting. It was so weird. Yeah. It's like there's deep down, there's some part of us that just knows better well and I think the longer you're in nature it's like when you get there you're kind of stumbling over roots and sure. rocks but within 24 hours your body adapts your muscles adapt you find your way and I think it's the same thing I think instinctually you connect to whatever's there and you know that okay this part's a no go right it's
1: yeah it's really interesting that is yeah Well, after all this, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to summer camp ever. (laughs) Uh, I might just go back to watching that movie, Summer Camp, which we started before the show. That looked terrible. It sure did, but it's better than ghosts. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with some listener mail. No one smiles.
0: we're the last facts these old fuckers will ever see as they sink into their pocket tombs alone there's a place on the beach with $8 Bud Light Lines I drink
2: Welcome back! Thanks again, as always, to our researcher Luke Greensmith uh, for giving us again way more stories than we could ever use, which is amazing. <laughs> he man, you know, he,
1: ever since we brought Luke on, yeah, it's been fantastic because yeah. we have been able to do so much more. Yeah, you know, and, and writing the show has become so much less stressful. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's I mean, this one I, I stressed a bit in the beginning, right? Because but I you had, always stress. Yeah, well, yeah. I stressed more than usual <laughs> because I was trying to to make it too much right because again i had all these grand ideas about what summer camp is in my head and i thought oh, we got to encompass all and then i just thought no this is stupid mm. right, okay my friend told me you're being stupid <laughs> so thank you to luke for all that thank you luke and if you want to get in touch with him you can find him on twitter at luke greensmith you can also find him on tumblr at luke moving on it's time for some listener mail
0: our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs.
2: We're ready to believe
0: you.
1: Our first email is from William, who emailed us before, or Bill, mm-hmm. I guess, Bill. Mm-hmm. And he was telling us that we should book a few nights aboard the Queen Mary. Well, of course, we I have stayed there one night, and yep. uh, I took my mother there. And now she is eager to go back for another couple. That's awesome. So uh, it's just a race between whether or not me or Ian yep. gets there first. Uh, next up, we had some messages from Teresa. And Teresa, of course, runs the Peculiar Mayhem podcast. And uh, Teresa's great. You know, she uh, she sent me an email actually at my Large the Truth at Gmail account. Right. And I just found it because oh. no <laughs> one ever emails me there. Right. I, I do say on my radio show if you want to request a song, but no one ever does. Right. So I never check it. So, Teresa, I just got your email, and I will get back to you shortly. <laughs> uh, of course, we had an email from Casey, and uh, Casey wanted to know – where she could send a shirt to be signed, which was pretty cool. She bought a shirt from our Threadless store, and now she's going to send it to us for us to autograph it. Cool. Which was pretty cool. So we do have an official Ghost Story Guys mailing address. Excellent. So if for some reason you've got something you want us to sign, you know, uh, Power of Attorney papers or um, uh, Red Lobster gift cards. Oh, God. Yeah. Or that. <laughs> or that. Email us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com, and we'll give you the mailing address. Perfect. We had an email from Lindsay who heard our episode on road trip stories and had a story from Texas. So thank you, Lindsay. Yeah. We will make sure to share that. And, uh, Tori got back to us. Tori, uh, who of course will be on our bonus episode, which should be out. I'm hoping next week. Perfect. I'm just waiting on some music for that. We're going nice. to try some different stuff. But, uh, Tori said, uh, you're fueling my dreams of having my own podcast. <laughs> and uh, Tori, and I would listen to that. She should. Yep, yeah. 100%. She really should. Yeah. We will be your first guest.
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: So we had stories from Caleb and Melanie. Thank you both for sharing those. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got enough for a listener stories episode coming up. Yeah. So we're we gonna do. have to do that pretty soon here. Yeah. Uh, we also had messages from um, Melanie, who's uh, other Melanie uh, or Melanie one, Melanie two. It's hard to a surprising <laughs> number of Melodies. Uh We also had an email from uh, Trish who lives in Detroit, and that was kind of cool. She yeah. said uh, Detroit's not as bad as it's made out to be. She actually works seasonally at the Opera House downtown. And she said, it's when you get to the outskirts that things, things get scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I could uh, see that. Absolutely. She wonders if Michigan is maybe a little more paranormally charged because of all the water. And yep. yeah, could very well be. Makes sense. We had a couple of great emails from Flo for the Dream yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of those on the last episode and there she sent more. So thank you so much, Flo. That's fantastic. Uh, Rin sent in a story. And actually the story she told, I don't know if I mentioned this to you in your st- when I replied to you, Rin, but... Your story, I did mention that your story is similar to what happened to my friend. I don't know if I mentioned that story came in on the same day it happened to my friend. Oh, wow. So talk about timing. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Kathy, who bought our books. Yes. Yes. She said that uh, forever in Maryland, we should come by. And Kathy, actually Teresa said that too, forever in Chicago come by
2: it it sounds like we need to do the ghost story guys North American tour that's right just like and it would consist of us basically showing up and sleeping in your house and then leaving the next morning without making any kind of beds or anything having
1: swiped some food
2: from the fridge used up all the hot water and possibly some of your Prize mementos. <laughs> That's <right.
1: laughs> The ghost story guy's larceny world tour. Yes. Well, we yes. got to pay for the
2: gas somehow, right? Somehow, yeah. Oh, hey, geez. you're not using that iPad right
1: now. <laughs> Yoink! Yoink! It must have been the spirits. Zip zip. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, Kathy. And again, wherever in that out that way, have, we will
2: look you up. Have, have you ever been to Maryland? I have. I took a ship out of Baltimore. Oh, okay. Yeah, a cruise ship. Yeah. It yeah. Was, it's kind of a murdery town. Yeah,
1: Baltimore can be a scary place. Yeah. I have. Never been to Baltimore, uh, but I met this really great couple on the train once, the train from Chicago to New Orleans. Cool. Bill and Frank. And who is it? Bill? No, Frank worked for Amtrak. Right. So they got the free travel, and they had the huge sleeper room. Nice. I was in the little roomette by myself. Yeah. So, uh, and they had great taste in rum. Yeah. <laughs> so they would have me back to their room for rum and oh man, we hung out in New Orleans. Great people. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so that's the extent of my involvement with Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, but I have been to Maryland briefly. There was a truck, one of the worst truck stops I've ever seen. Uh, the ba- one bathroom stall had been destroyed. Right. I don't want to know by what. No. And the most noteworthy feature apart from that is a giant cauldron of boiling peanuts. On what? Bo- yeah, because boiled peanuts are a thing. A thing, thing yeah. Well, this was a giant like soup tureen, but full of boiling peanuts. Creepy. Yeah, that was my experience in Baltimore. Sounds or Maryland, great. rather. Sounds amazing. I'm sure it's not representative of your great state, Kathy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, funny enough, yes, while we're on the subject, Kathy bought some autographed books from us. And we now have a store set up for that Good job Brennan Thank you Woo. So we will post a link to that Maybe pin a post somewhere It's on our Facebook page right now It's an Etsy store Which is not optimal Because Etsy is primarily for handmade goods <laughs> So again that link is on our Facebook page We I looked around I tried Shopify Shopify actually wants you to pay What? 30 bucks a month man we don't have any money. We don't no, make no. any money. No, I know. <laughs> I mean we, we made I think total ten dollars each from those book sales. Woohoo! So and that's Canadian, not American. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So <laughs> that's but, funny. Yeah. So we, we do have the Etsy store and eventually we'll have that set up so you can buy some stickers from us and maybe we'll figure out a way for our Canadian customers. To be able to buy shirts from there Because I know yeah. Buying shirts from The Threadless store For Canadians yeah. Is
2: a nightmare It's really expensive Yeah
1: my friend uh, A friend of mine Back in Revelstoke Told me the horrible ordeal That happened When she tried to order A shirt Because the shirt got lost
2: Oh no And
1: then turned up Months later Oh no. Oh yeah It was just a, the whole thing So we're, we're hoping To get something going For our Canadian listeners Because we, we sure appreciate you folks mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as we figure that out We'll let you know But in the meantime You can buy Ghost Story Guys Signed copies of a Strange Little Place and whatever the hell your book is called. Uh, Victoria's Most Haunted. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> from our Etsy <laughs> store. All right. And we had two more emails. One from Tiffany, who is a very complimentary. She says she's a longtime Art Bell listener, and it's like we've both filled some of that spot for her. That's a huge compliment. That is a huge compliment. Yeah. I, I was actually on his show... Uh, back in 2016, and you were too actually. Yeah, Mid- Midnight in the Desert. Yeah, uh, with Heather, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. Being able to say I was on, even though Art wasn't interviewing us. Heather's a great, very cool person. Yeah, and being interviewed by her was great. Yeah, um, and being able to say we were on Art Show. Yeah, uh, of course. I don't know if you're aware of all the shit that's happened with that show. No. Okay. So that we'll talk about that off air.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, two other things. Uh, I wanted to do a shout out to the RCMP and Shore here in. Our area, oh yes, for being listeners and for enjoying it. It's it's filtered back to me through friends, so I just wanted to say hi. To oh, them. cool, that's very cool. And the other thing, my friend Stephen works at St. John Regional Hospital. Thanks for paying attention, buddy. You're doing <laughs> you're doing a good job. And it, we were recently looking at the stats. We have
1: some, for some for some reason somehow seen a, a big uptick in our listenership among yeah. the armed forces. Yeah, the American armed forces. I don't know how or why, but hey, guys. Thanks for listening Yeah absolutely And if you have any stories uh, You want to share We'd love to hear it I know I've been sli- slowly Collecting stories uh, From the Middle East uh, Ghost stories And so if, cool. if anyone, Yeah if anyone There are not many At the moment They're hard to find But if anyone out there Has any stories We would love to hear them Send them to Ghoststoryguys At gmail.com Perfect Finally we had an email From Deborah, And Debra says that In the late 90s Her family lived in Ohio And she had a good job Working for a company Which was headquartered In uh, Southfield, Michigan near Detroit. She had to attend some function at home office. And while they were looking around the lobby of the hotel, they realized there were several cops standing around watching people at all times. And the shopping plastic across the street always had four or five police vehicles parked there too. <laughs> and they decided they didn't need to spend that much time shopping after yeah, all. Yeah, good call. Uh, but there was one souvenir t-shirt that caught her eye and she didn't buy it. And I wish she had. Or I wish I would seen it. But the front of the shirt said, Welcome to Detroit. Sorry we missed you. With a pistol pointed outward at you. (laughs) Man. She also says in regard to Florida, A couple days ago I scrolled past a post on Facebook that said, Drunken man in Florida kills imaginary friend, turns himself into authorities. Perfect. What a great state. That's Florida. The Florida episode, I don't know. Oh, man. That's going to be magical. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Florida, our featured song in this episode was... If, if I ever
2: a, get out of Florida By Just Fern it's So
1: cool I would love that song You can find her at Justfern.bandcamp.com The album is Feminology And I really recommend You pick it up It is so much fun It's just a, a great Great album And I think it's only Seven bucks or something nice. it's, it's very cheap nice. It's And even if it's ten It's absolutely worth it To support an independent artist I found Fern While researching I think I mentioned a Pittsburgh Show For my radio show And Pittsburgh has some Really Great bands Cool Really un- I, won- I won't say Undiscovered Because they play Around the area Yeah But people who You know They have fewer Than a thousand Plays on Spotify And I think You guys are Crazy talented That's awesome So I'm looking Forward to, to doing That episode of my show I guess that's Going to do it For Listener Mail Yeah In three weeks We'll be making Our first appearance At the Sydney Market Sydney Night Market yeah, Sydney Night Market so that's uh, June 14th The Thursday Yeah, yeah. At 7pm right Yeah Perfect. Yeah. And that's uh, just north of Victoria. So if you're in the area, come and say hi. We'll sell you a copy of our book. And, well, I don't know. We might. I might not be able to sell mine.
2: Well, uh, maybe we can photocopy some and you can staple them right. together and sign that. Sell PDF copies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> Having a small print run sucks. Mm-hmm. But uh, either way, we'll be there hanging out. Come by and say hi and uh, shake our hands and I don't know. Barbara well, Smith will be there Of course Barbara She's Smith amazing. The very talented ghost story lady Yep Who we will be having in studio At some point in the future to Yes uh, When her new book comes out I believe that's in the fall Yeah, it's come, well, yeah
2: Maybe sooner
1: I don't know Either way Looking forward to, to have Barbara in the studio So yep Come check us out At the at the Sydney Night Market You of course Are still doing Ghost Walks I am
2: Every th- Thursday? Every Thursday and a few Saturdays and it's going to pick up in June. I think I've got about 12 dates scheduled in June. So Okay, yeah, yeah. So
1: if you can check the schedule at ghostlywalks.com and if you want to make sure Ian will be working on the night you go, if you happen to be in Victoria, email us again at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com yep. and we'll make sure to get back to you. If for some reason you want to hear more of my voice, I do a weekly music show on 92.5 Stoke FM. That show is largely the truth and you can hear that on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Pacific either on 92.5 Stoke FM if you're in the local broadcast area, which I very much doubt, or on the web at stokefm.com. And it, it's looking like I will be live on air <gasps> on Tuesday. Let me just have a quick look here. Okay, so on Tuesday, May 5th, or sorry, June 5th, rather, I will probably be live on Rebel Stoke Jim's Canadian content from 8 to 10 p.m., so you'll be able to tweet at us live on air. We'll talk back at you. That's cool. Oh, it's great. I love live radio, man. Yeah. I miss yeah, live radio. That's great. So you can uh, put it on your calendar and harass me on air. It'll <laughs> be fun. We'll play some of Jim's tunes and just have a good old time. Of course, if you want to get some Ghost Story Guys merch, you can find our store at ghoststoryguys.threadless.com. We have t-shirts and uh, we do have some stickers on Teespring, but uh, we don't have a direct link to that. Okay. So very helpful. Uh, but we'll figure something out And if you do buy something We are, we will happily send you Two Ghost Story Guys thic- stickers as a thank you Just make sure to forward your receipt to us And let us know you want them Of course if you want unsigned copies of our books You, you can find those on Amazon Ian's is of course Victoria's Most Haunted Mine Oh my is. god <laughs> Damn it, damn it. <laughs> uh, Mine's a strange little place And I believe they're relatively cheap And uh, you're helping support a good cause Namely my chicken wing habit And whatever the hell it is he does with his money <laughs> Is there anything else? I don't think so Just gotta thank everybody Right Thanks as always To Pizzonta Music For his lovely intro And outro music You can find him online At soundcloud.com Slash Pizzonta Music uh, Peter just got back From a vacation to Italy And it looked incredible Nice Oh the lucky bastard <laughs> Thanks all- again To Luke Greensmith You can find him on Twitter at Luke Greensmith And on Tumblr At Luke Greensmith I guess that's gonna do it Cool We'll be back in two weeks With another show And until then into the darkness we go.
0: And if I ever get out of Florida, sunburned and tan, I'll carry you home if I can still stay.
1: And your real estate agent asked what I
2: do for a living. <laughs> hey, machi, that was so funny. <laughs> uh, well, we just talked about that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I somehow gotten just in the habit of eating over the sink when I'm by myself. I sit on the couch. We do that for
2: dinner. Oh, when you're all fancy. <laughs> yeah, we put on yeah. my my top and tails. <laughs>
1: but usually, if it's just me, I just eat over the sink. I know.
2: I've done that in a hurry, but no, I like to sit down, like a grown-up with grace and dignity. Yeah. yeah. Well, I warned her. I said, look, I'm coming out in the end of July. You better have your stamina up. Right. (laughs) That sounds weird. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for making that Uh, creepy. I
1: regret everything. Yes. Well, Before we started recording tonight, Ian and I watched a few minutes of the movie Summer Camp, and we happened to have the microphones on while we were doing it. So this final outtake is a couple selections from the 10 minutes we spent watching that horrible, horrible movie. Hope you like it. Thanks for listening. Like, you want to watch
2: the whole thing? No, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. No, I just want to see, just kind of flip through it and see if it's as... Okay, yeah, so it looks as cheap shit as I thought it would. Hold on, let's see. Oh.
2: Holy, this is bad. This looks like it was shot on dinner plates. In the 70s. It looks like a porn. Yeah, it does. This is terrible editing.
1: I I think it's just one terrible thing. I mean, it's the sea of them.
2: I think there's only one camera. There is 100% only one camera. The cameraman's shadow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, the boom man. The boom man's shadow. <laughs> Holy shit! Music by Sparky Sugarman. <laughs> That's my new name. Sparky That's my new music. Sugarman. My new music name. I love how this. Everything in this is
1: so mediocre. They don't even know how to cook food.
2: No, they don't she's know just how to do,
1: hacking up a piece of meat. They don't know how to do any part of this. No, I was literally they're going in for a kiss there. Yeah, and, I thought they were too. You're find a way
2: to call me horse. In Soviet Russia, horse rides you. (laughs) At the end of the movie, he'll strike oil, camp is saved, orgy ensues, the end.